I'm really thankful to be here today. Um, I, I hope that you felt the gravity of that moment as your, this is your home church and seeing uh, sort of a momentous occasion. We went through this same process about three years ago in Newburn, and I can tell you this, that um, it's risky. It's risky to change a little bit how you do things, and it's risky to, um, for the church to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to put our trust in these leaders. And I'm going to tell, um, this is the only thing I'm going to really say directly to these four guys, because it's really not my place, because I'm, I'm kind of the guest here today, but I'm going to tell you what I told our guys, which was, um, it is a little risky, so you better be good elders, right, <laughs> to overcome the risk that it's going to be, because um, we, don't, we don't always like change, and it, sometimes it, it brings up things. So I'm really thankful to be here. I'm, I, I know uh, William and Jill uh, a little bit. They spent... I guess about four years in Newburn, they were a part of sitting in my living room when we went to start a church in Newburn, and for some reason, they chose to do it all over again in Wilmington. So uh, I'm pretty sure God has a very special blessing for that family uh, for putting up with me. And then Chris, I mean, it's just, that's just really going above and beyond. But I'm thankful to be here today. I'm going to preach a 30-minute sermon in about 15 minutes, so you're going to have to listen really fast. Can you do that? Okay. Uh, and uh, I, I bring you greetings from uh, Newburn, Two Rivers Church. Uh, we are praying for you. I have been since before uh, Chris and Lindsay moved here. Uh, we've been a, a part of indirectly, uh, a little bit financially, and a lot of prayers. And I got, I got the honor to serve on the management team with Chris for several years. And so I'm really, I'm really excited to be here today for this, uh, this occasion. Matthew chapter uh, 28. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter uh, 5. We're going to be there in just a second, but I want to kind of set the stage first. Matthew chapter 28. Um, Jesus says, uh, All therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, Go and make disciples. What is your part in that great commission? That's what I want us to talk about today. You've seen four elders ordained today to play their part, right? They're, they're accepting Jesus' challenge. Uh, they're accepting um, the idea that they're going to be a part of helping the gospel, the good news about Jesus, go and into this world. So if you're here today, the good chance is that you didn't come upon Christ or church or even this place by yourself as an island. You're a part of a chain reaction which brought you even to this place today. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was someone you knew. Maybe Somebody said, hey, um, you know, go to church with me, or you saw a sign out front. But there's a reason that you're here today, and it's by God's design. And my question for us to consider is this. Now, what part will you play, right, in the chain reaction for someone else? When Chris and Lindsay decided, decided to move to Wilmington about six years ago, it started a chain reaction. And that chain reaction that I don't know as much about is what happened to get them to that place, right? I don't even know all of the things. You've seen a little bit of that today uh, with some of, the, uh, some of the people who are here from his home church. But uh, when, when they decided to move here, it started a chain reaction. It first involved Brent and Emily Myers and then Aaron Collins and now Kara. And this team has been a part of changing lives here in Wilmington. And now we'll add to that chain reaction new elders who are going to be also a part of what's happening here. And the truth is, we can all be a part of the Great Commission to go and make disciples. What part will you play in the chain reaction moving forward? 
Let's look at Luke chapter 5 and see how a normal day (laughs) changes and goes from ordinary to remarkable. In Luke chapter 5, let's read together. Uh, If you have a Bible and you can just follow along, I can't see anything through those. I'm going to start in verse 17. It says, One day, as he was teaching, Jesus was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to make it into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew that they were thinking what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things. Look at verse 17 again. The ESV says, on one of those days. And then at the end of that passage, verse 26 says, Uh, Everyone was filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. At at the beginning of the story, it was just one of those days. It was an ordinary day, but something happened to make that day remarkable. What happened was Jesus. Now, I want you, more than anything, to experience remarkable, extraordinary things today. I hope that God is already moving in your heart. I I just think it was a powerful moment that we got to share in together. But more than that, I hope that you want to see, and what I want to see is that people in this community, right, get to experience remarkable things. But for that to happen, we have to do our part in connecting people to Jesus. You see, what I see in this story is that connecting people to Jesus turns the ordinary into the remarkable. Right Now, there's several remarkable things. Real quick, three things that I see in this story. First of all, I see remarkable friendship. Here's all we know about the men who took their friend to Jesus. It says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man. That doesn't tell us much, right, about this guy and about his friends. But we do see ordinary guys who become extraordinary, remarkable friends. They were ordinary. Luke, Luke refers to them as just some men. Well, this is proof. That some men, right, can do something extraordinary when they simply put love into action. You know, one of the things that I hear in Newburn with our church is, uh, Dave, I'm not qualified to, to do anything in the kingdom, or I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't really have any training. Well, these guys, their training was none, right? They were just some men, but their courage was this, that they had enough strength to bring a friend to Jesus, 
to make a positive impact in this world. We don't have to be anything necessarily special. We don't have to have a Bible college degree or any kind of awards on the wall. We just simply need to be who God has called us to be. We just have to be good friends. Here's a couple qualities I see in good friends. First of all, they were willing to sacrifice. These men were putting themselves out to help this man, carrying him, trying to get him inside the house. And even going so far as to put a hole in the roof, right, to get him before Jesus. They were willing to do what was, whatever was necessary. The other thing I see here in a good friend is somebody who is selfless. Do you think the four men who brought their friend to Jesus had things going on? We don't know exactly, but we do know that they did not allow their own problems to keep them from helping someone else. What about you? Are you more concerned about your problems than you are about your friends who don't know about Christ, right? They didn't just hand him a track or throw a Bible at him down the street as they went by, right? They went to where he was. They picked him up and they carried him to Jesus. They walked with him, carrying him, and they never left his side until they saw him healed. What a remarkable thing. What an extraordinary friends these were. These friends on this ordinary day thought, what's the best thing that we can do for our friend? And they decided to bring him to where Jesus was teaching. So if we want to be, connect with Jesus, it's going to take being a remarkable friend. It's also going to take remarkable force. Not only did these men bring their friends to Jesus, but they made a way where there was no way, right? Now, this may be extreme, but they literally tore the roof off of someone's house, and they lowered their friend down into the room where Jesus was teaching. Look at verse 19. When they could not find a way to do this, bring him to Jesus, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, houses were typically flat-roofed, and they were tiled with sort of mud uh, on the roofs to keep the, uh, that was the insulation. And so when these men saw that this house was full, so many people had seen and heard about Jesus coming that it was over, uh, it was overwhelmed. There were people looking in the windows. There were people in the courtyards. So they made a way to the roof, dug through the dirt, through the tiles, and lowered their friend right in front of Jesus. Now, I would have loved to have been in the room, right? All of a sudden, dirt starts falling, right? And maybe some of the mud kind of comes in, and where, where it was a little dark, the sunlight of day comes through this newly uh, crafted uh, sunroom or, uh, you know, uh, opening in the, in, the, uh, in the roof. And all of a sudden, not only that, there's a hole in the roof now, and all of a sudden, the guy begins to be lowered down on a mat. Remarkable. What force, what, uh, what effort these men went to. Think about the barriers they had to overcome. They overcame a crowded house, right? Think about this. No one was willing to make room for these men. Right? Here's a guy who could not make it there on his own. His four friends do this remarkable thing. They bring their friend to Jesus, and no one who was in the room would make any room for this one guy to be brought before Jesus. Man, that's an indictment, right? Oh, that we would never be the ones who keep people out of Jesus' presence. And I think it's easy... It doesn't say this in the text, but what I hear these guys who are in the room, the religious, what I hear them kind of thinking is, 
Well, maybe, maybe they should have got up a little earlier today, right? If you wanted to get in the room, then maybe you should have gone on Ticketmaster uh, weeks ago and gotten your ticket ahead of time, right? They didn't make it in the room because no one showed them compassion. This house was full of religious people who had come from all over to listen, to learn from, and to witness the ministry of Jesus. Yet not one of them was discerning enough or had enough compassion to make a way for some guys carrying their friend on a bed. They were in. They were in the presence of Jesus, and that was all they cared about. May we never be like this. May we never be like this. May we see our lives as a connecting point for people to get to Jesus, not uh, pushing people out or making sure that we're in in spite of other people. I love that Venture Church is a church for people who aren't really into church, right? That your mission is to be God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. You know what it means to be love agents? It means that you're being intentional about getting others in the room. And so it's my prayer that not only the staff and, and the people here, but these elders who have been set apart today would lead this church to love others. You know, God has a sense of humor. I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that I chose a passage today about four guys who are going to lead in being friends and bringing people to Jesus. Because I think Chris and the staff, and after a lot of prayer here, have chosen four guys for venture who are going to be the kind of guys who will go find their friends, put them on a mat if they have to, dig through the roof if they have to, to bring them to Jesus. The question is, are you willing to do the same? May we never be more concerned about our own salvation than the salvation of lost people. May we always be willing to make a way so that Anyone and everyone can have a chance to connect with Jesus. It's not about capacity. It's about compassion. Do we love people enough to make a way? One of the barriers was just a a room, a crowded house. Another barrier was a closed way of thinking. You see, self-centered people can make it difficult for others to see Jesus. You ever seen that played out in a church? Self-centered people can make it difficult for others to see Jesus. Look at the religious. They were in the presence of the same Jesus, but they didn't get healed. They were there for the teaching, but not for the teacher. They were there for the message, but not for the Messiah. They were there for judgment, but not for justice. And I pray that we never lose our compassion for lost and hurting people. I pray that we never forget What this gathering of Christians is all about, it's about Jesus. The bottom line is this. These guys were willing to rip the roof off, right, if that's what it took to get their friend to Jesus. Now, I don't don't particularly recommend you rip the roof off or, you know, set the YMCA on fire or anything like that. But we have to do whatever we can. What links are you willing to go to to bring someone to Jesus? What barriers are you willing to break down? What sacrifices are you willing to make to see just one person brought to the feet of Jesus. See, I think our attitudes should be like the friends who literally tore through the roof to bring their friend to Jesus. Comfort was not these friends' motive. It was sacrifice motivated by love. Now, the church I serve in New Bern, a lot of great people. God's really blessed us. And for the most part, I think we get this right. But I can be sort of transparent here. Don't tell my church I said this. Actually, I would tell them. I have told them. 
But sometimes I hear things like this. Like, Dave, the music is too loud, typically in the form of an anonymous criticism, right? Or I don't want to park so far away. The way our building's set up, it's sort of odd. Or I can't serve in children's area today because I need my time with Jesus. I wish I could, I wish we could sing more hymns. You ever heard that one? Or at our church, I've heard this literally. I don't like three services. I like it better when we just had two. I've, I've literally heard both of these. I don't like when David's not preaching. So there's some people at our church today who don't like it. And then I've heard the exact, the exact opposite. I wish David didn't preach so much, right? <laughs> you know what these are? And all churches hear these things from time to time. These are arguments of comfort. Right? Arguments of the religious. Arguments of people who are comfortable in the room but find it hard to make room for others. Not too long ago, someone came to me after service and introduced themselves to me and said it was their first Sunday there and they were super nice and uh, they told me they were coming from another church across town where they just hadn't been happy for a while. And I told them what I, what I tell everyone who comes to us in that situation. I say, I'm really glad you're here and I want you to know that you're, you're not our target. You know, we're looking for people who maybe are far from God, who are trying to find their way back to God. Now, you would have thought that I, the way that lady looked at me, it was like I had lost my mind. She could not believe that what I was saying was, this isn't about you. But that's exactly what I was saying. See, I want people to know from the very beginning that our church does not exist for your comfort. Right? We want you to be there. We want you to be involved, but we want to be the kind of church that gets uncomfortable so that other people might find the grace and love of Jesus. If that means we need to tear the roof off, we'll tear the roof off. We exist to bring honor to God and draw people to Jesus. That's what remarkable friends do. They use remarkable force, and if that's what it takes to get people to the feet of Jesus. And if we want people to connect with Jesus, the third thing is that I see is remarkable faith. What an amazing amount of faith these men showed. But notice that their faith was accompanied by action. They didn't just sit there at their house and say, you know, I bet that Jesus guy could change our friend's life. No, they went to where he was. They picked him up and they brought him to Jesus. And in verse 20, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. These men really believed that Jesus could help paralyzed people walk. So while the Pharisees and the religious were sitting there, they rose up and picked up this guy off the street corner and delivered him to the feet of Jesus. Amazing, remarkable faith. Now, I don't know what it is that you need to rise up and do. But if God's calling you to rise up, and maybe as simple as being here on Sunday, supporting what's going on. It may be as simple as walking across the street, right? Getting up out of your comfort zone in your house and speaking to a neighbor who's far from God. Building a relationship with someone intentionally so that you might have an opportunity to share Christ with them. Maybe God's calling you right now to say, hey, Easter's coming up. I'm going to invite two or three people that I know to be here on Easter Sunday. It could be something very simple, but we have to rise up. We can't just say someone else will do it. We can't just say Chris or Aaron or the staff or some of our key leaders or our new elders. It's their job. It's all of our jobs to bring people to the feet of Jesus. See, the legalists sat while people like this paralyzed man were suffering. 
May we always have the faith to rise up, especially when it will result in hurt people finding healing through the extraordinary love of Jesus. James 2 says it this way, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things that they needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. These guys had so much faith that they went and brought their friend to Jesus. This is the kind of faith that truly delivers people. What are you willing to do to deliver those people that you know, those people who are still on their mats, spiritually speaking? What are you willing to do to bring them to the feet of Jesus? I thought it was a train for a second. Does that happen all the time here? Actually, I thought it was a tornado. Wouldn't it be cool if God did, uh, took the roof off right now? I mean, that, we would all, we'd be different, wouldn't we, leaving here? We have a train track that goes behind our building, and every once in a while we hear a train. And one time I was talking about Johnny, I was literally talking about Johnny Cash, and a train came by. It was kind of loud like that, and I started singing, I hear that train coming, and the people thought I staged it somehow, but I didn't. If we have extraordinary faith, remarkable faith, then we're going to pick up other people on their mats and do whatever we can to bring them to Jesus. April 17th, 2016, I had one of those nights where I didn't sleep well. Anybody here bad at sleeping? It's not my spiritual gift. I'm not good at it. And uh, I, had got, I had left our bedroom and gone to the living room and finally dozed off on the couch when at about 4 a.m. our home phone rang, which was ironic because I would not have heard it if I were in my bedroom. We only had one home phone and it was in the kitchen. And no one ever calls our home phone. And I jumped up and went to the kitchen. I picked up the phone and um, it was the nursing home where my mother was a resident on the phone at 4 a.m., And I immediately knew this is not an ordinary day. I knew that she had not been well for several years. She'd been in that nursing home for about five years. And they had told us a few months before that the time had come to talk about hospice. And my mind was sort of thinking it was going to be several months. But that day came on April 17th, 2016. And I answered the phone and they told me that my mother had passed away. So all of a sudden, I'm, you know, finally had gone to sleep. Now I'm, my heart's beating and just a rush of adrenaline. I went in and told my wife, and I said, I'm going over to the nursing home. My dad had recently moved to the same nursing home. He was across the hall, but it's 4.30 in the morning. I said, let's let him sleep. And I tried desperately. I wanted to call my sister, and she has five kids. I called Five, uh, her number plus her five kids plus her husband's number, nobody answered the phone. So at about 6 a.m. or so, I was left for several hours with just myself and the news that my mother had passed away. I wasn't quite ready to tell my dad. I just knew that that was going to be hard for him and that he needed to rest, right? And so for a couple hours... I just had some time alone. And it was in that moment 
during that time when I had this thought, I, in ministry, you kind of have walked this path. It's just such an honor at times to get the opportunity to minister to people on difficult days. It's not fun, but it really is an honor that they would call. And so I know the dominoes that were going to fall that day. There would be a funeral home to be called. There's a lot of family members to be called. A lot of people from our church would be calling me. And I had this thought, this sort of moment of clarity that I don't often have. And the thought was this. Who do you want to be today? In this difficult moment, you need to talk to your sister. You need to talk to your mom's sister, your mom's brother. I need to talk to my dad's family. I need to sit down and tell my dad that his wife had passed away. So who do you want to be? I just thought about that and I prayed about it. And I tried hard to decide who I was going to be in that moment that day. See, I think we have that opportunity every day. To decide as Christians in this world, who are we going to be? Are we going to be the kind of people that will do anything to bring others to the feet of Jesus? Are we going to choose, get up every day and choose to break through any barriers, tear the roof off of those barriers so that other people might have the opportunity to know Jesus? See, then maybe... Maybe there will be days ahead of us. If we all, right, if Venture Church really gets on board with this idea that we're going to do anything we can to connect ordinary people with the remarkable love of Christ, then in the days ahead, Venture Church will be filled with awe and people will say, we have seen remarkable things today. Let's pray. God, we love you. So thankful for bringing us to this moment in our lives. So thankful for the many things that have happened to bring us to this point. And Lord, I just, I just pray that as we consider what you've done in our lives, Lord, we would just get excited about sharing that good news with others. That we would be remarkable friends, using remarkable force and remarkable faith to bring people to the feet of Jesus. Lord, at the end of this life, nothing else matters. So, Lord, wake us up every day. Let us decide who it is we want to be. And let us live for you, making that chain reaction, those connections with people in our lives, and bringing them to Jesus. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.